0: have a great influence on the lives of their children and first-time dads will encounter many new experiences. They'll examine those tiny fingers and toes and marvel at God's creation. They'll change diapers, endure sleepless nights, initiate tickle attacks, tell bedtime stories, and field seemingly unending questions. Join us today as I interview family ministry veteran and father of six, John Fuller. He wrote the book, First Time Dad. He'll share things you need to know as a first time dad. Things like setting good priorities, recognizing and recovering from common fatherhood mistakes, and how to cultivate a lasting parent-child relationship. Besides being the author of First Time Dad, John is also the Vice President of Audio and New Media at Focus on the Family and co-host of the daily Focus on the Family broadcast. This is Kay Meyer, President of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Welcome, John. Thanks so much for being my guest today.
1: Well, thank you, Kay. And I like. The uh, the optimistic look at fathers and the impact they can have through doing things like tickle fights.
0: Uh-huh, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, the the old uh, the cliche is that everybody does something for Mother's Day and Father's Day, eh, not so much. Uh-huh. So there aren't lots of sermons about that it seems. And uh, you put a, you put a nice positive spin on it. So thank you for that.
0: All right. Well, I love your book, First Time Dad, but it's not just for first time dads. There's so much great advice in it. So let's start with you sharing some of the common fatherhood mistakes that you've seen.
1: Yeah, and let me let me preface that by saying that many of these I have learned myself. <laughs> some of the some of the myths and challenges of Parenting have certainly been. I mean, I think I've experienced all the highs and lows one can have, from feeling like I nailed this thing, or to well, I am such a failure. Mm-hmm. Is anything going to turn out well here? Uh, so the the warnings that I provide in the book, um, in in that in the first couple of chapters, really are are more born out of experience of having six kids, and five of them are adults. Uh, four of them are adults, I guess. And, uh, and so one of them would be the, the lie that, the, that we seem to have about quality time that kids need, not quantity time. You can't have quality time without quantity time. And uh, I think dads are pretty stretched these days. Guys have so much going on, probably more now than even 20, 25 years ago in terms of uh, commitments and priorities. But the kids have to be right up there at the top. Uh, because you have to spend time with them to have an influence and impact on them. You can't guide and shepherd them if you don't see them or don't discuss things with them. Don't take advantage of uh, opportunities that come up. So that would, be, that would be one. And I think another one, and this is where I really failed, was don't be impatient with your <laughs> child too often, uh, especially new dads. We have these really high expectations It's why people like me exist. I'm a firstborn, and my dad had high expectations. He's had high expectations for all the kids, but I think we tend to get impatient because they're not coming along as fast as they need to. They're going to be a train wreck you know, just waiting to happen. I remember not yelling, but raising my voice really impatiently with my son. He was about four, and I looked at him. I said, how many times do I have to tell you blah, blah, blah? Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the line, in that rant i realized he is only 4 yeah. and i'm expecting him to be like 12 or 15 in terms of maturity and right. accepting responsibility so it's yeah. pretty easy to, easy to expect more than is age appropriate
0: absolutely yes we have to remember they're children but sometimes our sinful nature just falls back into uh, getting angry and getting yeah. upset yeah. and uh, but it but it's something good to be uh, forewarned about to mm-hmm. think through that ahead of time thanks go ahead
1: yeah and I think I, I think one of the other warnings that I have seen really resonate with guys is that uh, temptation to escape to a hobby uh-huh. <laughs> and, and this one came home to me when I was taking up running I had a coworker who had run like 50 marathons and he's like come on let's go you can do this and I thought okay And we had several young kids at home, and there was always some drama going on. And I'd leave work where, you know, there's a certain level of control, and I'd go home, and it just seemed like chaos. (laughs) And so running became a really nice outlet. Don't yield to that temptation to find an escape. Go ahead and just embrace the fact that for a while, when the kids are younger especially, things are going to be difficult and challenging, and you'll be out of your comfort zone. And God can speak through you. Through, through you into that and through the circumstances to really help you grow. And um, there will be time for hobbies like golf and marathons later on. But uh, for now, try to limit that, outdo- that, that outside activity and really focus on the kids and, uh, and what they need. Okay. What else? Well, uh, another one would be that you can do this yourself. Uh, In some respects, men are just natural get-it-done guys, and, uh, you know, we don't need nobody around to tell me what to do. But in this one, it really, I think, is beneficial to look down the road and see other men who are parenting well, in your estimation, and hang out with them. Mm -hmm. Find out what they're doing. Uh, Watch them with their kids. I learned this lesson when I was a young dad. We had uh, some friends, and their children were about 5 to 10 years older than ours and uh, for the first and second, uh, in, in particular, we, we spent a lot of time with that couple. We watched them as a family. We spent evenings with them just observing the dialogue, understanding the frustrations, seeing how to parent well because experience had taught them some things. Uh, find some other guys. Join a small group that will encourage you. Uh, another one would be to think that you have to do this perfectly. Mm. It was a revelation to me when I talked to my then college-age son. I said, I'm going to be writing a book. He said, what about? Very skeptically and somewhat sarcastically. And I said, about being a new dad. And he said, oh, well, that'll be good. And I thought, wow, he just forgot 18 <laughs> or 19 years of <laughs> <Yeah. and> mistakes. <laughs> I didn't have to do it perfectly. No. I lost my temper. You know, I forgot promises. Right. I didn't show up sometimes. Uh, just to be in the home like I needed to and to be around him. But he is resilient, and I think all kids are. They are going to forget most of your mistakes.
0: They really will, because they remember the good things, Mm -hmm. the time you spend with them, the laugh, the times you laugh together. You bet. You bet. Good. Well, you've already shared some of the uh, personal things that you experienced as a new dad, but... uh, uh, let's talk for a minute about your first child and tell us about some of those early days and what that was like and what it was like to adjust to having that little boy in the home. Yeah, hall.
1: well, and, and that was, um, he, he's 27 now, so that was a while ago. But I, I will always remember taking the, the birthing classes and learning all about the process of birth. And um, I think what really stuck out to me about the time he was being born, was, uh, that he he was born was a past a pastor friend came to me and said, "Hey John, uh, these kids that uh, you see running around here and the and the son you're going to have, they don't read the the fathering manuals, the parenting manuals, the baby manuals. They don't pay attention to any of that. They're unpredictable. Just roll with it." Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, I found out that had to be the case because mm-hmm. this boy. When he was born, we brought him home. We had all these expectations, and he didn't sleep for, like, 18 months. <laughs> he was crying. He was um, unable to to really sleep through the night, a variety of things happening. And and we started to get kind of sleep-deprived. My wife and I, we had a small um, small house, and his noises, his crying from the other room, could not be ignored. And so there we are, um looking at this baby trying to interpret his cries what does he need and my lovely wife Dina has one perspective and I have a different perspective I just want to fix it and she's trying to get to the heart of the matter and tensions arise I mean it was a this boy was a game changer mm-hmm. and and that's okay it's good I in retrospect we grew so much but those early days were kind of hard because of those expectations that this will be all natural. It's going to be so easy and uh we had listened to focus on the family after all.
0: Yeah. You knew all about family. Yeah, me.
1: so we thought. But it's kind of like um yeah. any complicated matter until you really do it, it looks a lot easier. That's right. When you're doing it, it becomes a little more challenging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um and I think our prayer life started to get much better about mm. that time. <laughs>
0: So lots of challenges, and there is nothing that changes our life more than having a child, whether it's a boy or a girl. It changes marriage. It changes the husband and wife. Talk for a minute about your relationship with your wife and what your life was like before and then after your child arrived.
1: Sure. And, and Kay, you said that last statement with such conviction. I know you've been through (laughs) that life-altering experience of a child or two or more.
0: Yeah.
1: you know, I think Dean and I had a really strong relationship going into uh, particularly our firstborn. I mean, we've had to really just continue working on the relationship. I mean, we had about three and a half years of, of spontaneity. We had three and a half years of doing what we wanted when we wanted, and we had three and a half years to just, you know, do the gushy gaze into each other's eyes and have nice, quiet conversations, and then a baby came along, mm-hmm. and... um as I shared, we were sleep-deprived. Um, we, we thought that uh, this season was never going to end. We found ourselves struggling with communication. I had to yield to the fact that my wife was now a mom, and I was number two, essentially, in her life. Uh, the boy was number one, and rightly so. I mean, Mama Bear was looking out for her cub, and It's not like we fought a lot. It's just I got kind of pushed to the sidelines, which I
0: think is pretty natural and common. And I don't
1: know that it's all that bad.
0: But it doesn't Uh, get said very often, John. And it needs to be shared prior to when the baby comes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: because we guys, we've had our girl. uh, She's been our beloved bride for so long. And, you know, I've been the number one guy in her life. And now I have to share and it's not just share time and energy. It's I have to share her body because she's nursing him, and I have to share sleep. I mean, she's she's now taking naps because he's so exhausting, and so I have to share all sorts of stuff. Mm. And I think it's a time when when guys we just need to put on our big boy pants and show up and say it's okay. Uh, this is the natural progression. We we leave we cleave with that woman and. When a baby comes along, it, he or she is going to alter everything, and it's not all about me. It's about us as a family. We've got to figure out how we're going to talk through all that and make sure we have date nights and still keep connected, because eventually, one day, the baby's going to move out of the house. <laughs> and When that happens, you want to make sure you still have a strong relationship with your wife.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you also talk about uh, letting go. That new dads have to let go of some things, and that that was very true for you. Talk a little bit more about that.
1: Well, let's see. Let go of our hobbies. I've already mentioned oh, that, yes, you and, have. and our little outlets. I'm not saying you shouldn't have anything.
0: I, I was just going to say you do need to have something that you do. She should too. That that each yeah. of you have something beyond taking care of the baby.
1: Exactly. And I want to be clear, I'm not advocating uh, a, a child-centric marriage and home. I mean, the kids are obviously important, and they need you all the way through some days more than others. And, you know, it's a growing experience. So you got to have some outside support and some outside activities, so you're not just identified by that particular role of being a mom or a wife or a dad or a husband. But in in this case, I think I had to let go of time. Mm. I had to let go of spontaneity. That was one of the harder ones mm. because now we've got all the stuff we yeah. got to cart around. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have a minivan, even <laughs> if you just have one child. That's right. All the safety gear and all the supplies. I had to let go of some of, the, uh, some of the things I'd expected in our relationship. I would come home, and Dina was not working outside of the home, and she would have dinner ready until we had a baby. Mm-hmm. Then it was not so much. Mm-hmm. Um I had to let go of my stuff because as this little guy grew, he became mobile and once that happened, he started getting into my things and ruining everything. <laughs> and as kids do, I mean they will challenge your materialism. So I had to let go of, you know, stereo gear and books. In fact, one of his favorite, that firstborn One of his favorite activities was to sit at the bookshelf and systematically empty the bottom (laughs) shelf. Yes. He would take every book out and throw it over there. Yes. And so I'd come home and my books were messed up. (laughs) I didn't like that because I kind of like an organized library. Uh Um, But I I learned that it's not about the library. It's about the boy being healthy and
0: And learning. And learning. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: The equivalent of that was the Tupperware drawer in the kitchen. Uh Dino wisely said, here, play in here, Dakota. Mm -hmm. And so that's where he he spent a lot of time, which was fine, because who cares about Tupperware lids?
0: (laughs) That's great. That's great. I have a few announcements to make, and then we'll continue talking to John Fuller about his book, First Time Dad. Each week, Family Shield offers a booklet or resource to our listeners. This week, we're offering Parenting Families, Practical Strategies for Family Life. To receive the booklet, call our response center at 1-877-350-8416 or email us at witness2family at com. Moody Publisher has donated three of John Fuller's books for us to give away through a drawing. To enter the drawing, email us again that email address, witness2family at gmail.com, or call our Response Center, 877-250-8416. Remember to give your complete name and address. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries, Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com/thriventchoice or call them 1-800-847-4836. We encourage you to check out our newly redesigned website and our archive page at www family ministries.com to learn more about sharing your faith in the home with your children listen to a two-part series on the archive page entitled go first into the home family shield is a listener supported radio program that educates and equips people to know christ and grow in his word we love to hear how the program is touching your heart and strengthening your faith in christ please pray for us And send comments or a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. Remember, your gifts are tax deductible as allowed by law. Now I want to go back to my guest, John Fuller, author of First Time Dads, right before the break. He was sharing some of the issues related to letting go, and um, let's just continue talking about that, John.
1: Okay. Well, I think it's, it's good to let go of uh, the future t- uh, uh, in some ways, and what I mean by that is uh, maybe you're on a career path. Okay, you probably have observed this. A lot of times, new dads, not exclusively, but a lot of times, they're you know, in their late 20s, early 30s, and they are ambitious men and I get that, and mm-hmm. when uh, when a baby rolls around, they're especially ambitious, and so um, we, I think, kick, we, we, we kind of kick it up a notch at work, and we start really being intentional about some things at work, and uh, I've got a number of guys like that on our staff here at Focus that I know, and and I applaud the, uh, the direction they're going and the desire to grow, uh, both professionally and then just tangibly, financially, um, but sometimes you can't track where all that's going to go and you have to just kind of let go of some of the expectations you have about career path in fact there are some guys i know who have intentionally said that would be lucrative and i would like to do that but i know what that job would entail and the time commitment to do that job well to take on those additional responsibilities is such that it would rob me of time with my child or children and so I'm not going to do that. Not everybody has that luxury, especially in today's economy. But if if you, you're weighing something, yeah, I know what a natural career progression can look like, but don't assume it's going to go that way or it has to go that way. There might be some things that you rightly just put on pause for now mm-hmm. beyond hobbies and buying stuff. Maybe it's a time-wise, I'm not willing to make that commute, or time-wise, I'm not willing to take on that additional responsibility because that's an extra 10 hours a week and I'm already doing 50. Mm-hmm. So we have to let go of the future to some degree um, in that realm and also in one other one, and that is even though your baby is just, or your child is just, you know, 12 months old or two and a half years old or, or maybe your experience, maybe your child is 15, you still can't control the outcome of your parenting so you've got to let go of the end result mm-hmm. your goal is to try to raise a healthy well-adjusted kid who can you know live on their own eventually but you can't control that maybe something's going to happen along the way that they're going to make a bad decision because uh, there's this thing that we call free will mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh you got to kind of let go of that not everything could turn out the way you want it to just be ready to deal with that
0: you bet you bet. Now, every child is different. So why is it important for a dad to study and know his child's personality, style, and how he's wired?
1: Yeah. Well, we've had the benefit of uh, some really great radio guests over the years here at Focus on the Family, and there are so many different models uh, that you could study to understand personality and how how kids learn and how they think and how they experience love and um, there are some common characteristics we want to see i think in in a healthy child like character
0: uh,
1: a natural curiosity we we don't want to shut that down common sense and you know for a long time uh, boys especially do not have common sense i think that's from like about three until 23 maybe (laughs) Uh, Love it. So you want those, but it's really important to understand what your what your child is really good at and and what they're interested in. Like so many guys, I enjoyed sports, not particularly great at it, but I enjoyed sports um, growing up and even as an adult. And I kind of had this thought that my son would be good at sports. And um, there were times partly because of of coaching and partly because of aptitude and partly because just a lack of interest that my son didn't really grab onto sports. To this day, he's 27. He still doesn't really like sports a whole lot. He likes watching, Mm -hmm. but not playing. It was really important for me to understand what he was wired to do and what he did like to do. He's more introspective. He's more mechanical and ideas. So I, I, I learned to meet him there. Instead of sports, we worked on computers and played chess and that kind of thing. It was different than I had thought, but it turned out to be really good. to this day, he remains very inquisitive, um, and he's a teacher. Mm. And, and so it's fun to watch him play off those strengths. He doesn't teach Phi by the way, no physical education. He's, he's, uh, he's in a sweet spot, and it took a while for me to get that, um, Just like boys and girls are different. Mm -hmm. You you, you don't want to parent boys and girls the Mm -hmm. same. There Mm -hmm. are some things that are going to be common and consistent, but, you know, my first two kids were boys, and I couldn't be overly physical with them. You know, I'd sit on them, we'd wrestle, we'd throw them around, they'd jump on me and ambush me, and it was all great fun stuff that guys get. When my girls came along, they wanted to have little tea parties, and they wanted me to sit at the table with stuffed animals, yeah. and drink bad tea, and make small talk for a half hour. And you know, I would try to excuse myself, and they're, "Oh no, Daddy, one more thing." <laughs> and I, I, I did not grow up in that kind of an environment.
0: Uh-huh. It uh-huh.
1: stretched me. Yeah. But I recognized
0: you learned how to do it. Yeah, I, I learned. Yeah.
1: Dina helped me recognize the importance of doing that, and then I had some good mentors along the way. And I knew that my girls needed that. They're just wired for relationship. And Mm -hmm. our youngest is a boy, and it's kind of fun. After having three girls around, it's kind of fun to have a kid. I walk in the front door. He looks at me, and I grab him, and I throw him on the sofa, and I sit on him. (laughs) He loves that. Mm -hmm. My girls they wouldn't no. do that.
0: Yeah. They wouldn't like that. Yeah, neat. Well, um, in Deuteronomy 6-7, uh, God's Word says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. This is one of my favorite Bible verses. I saw it in your book. And it talks about how to share our faith as we walk and talk with our children in our everyday life. Why is helping our children to know the Lord so important, and why is it more caught than taught?
1: Yeah, and and Kay, I know you've got experience in this area and a heart for people to know the Lord. So, I mean, if you believe your own theology, then uh, eternity hinges on your child making a personal decision to follow God. And so uh, there are so many things that are important. My kids, some of them disagree with me on some political things. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to agree with me on spiritual things, because that is core to who I am. And like it or not, uh, you know, Dad, they're going to be watching you. Yes. And they're going to be watching you to see, does, does Daddy believe? And is it, is it personal and passionate, or is it just Sunday mornings or Saturday nights or whatever it is? Uh, does Daddy talk with us? naturally, uh, about God? Do we see him in times of need? Do we see him in times of joy? You know, just spontaneously thanking the Lord because he has a vibrant relationship? Uh, Does Daddy demonstrate that uh, these are truths that really guide and rule him in life? Mm -hmm. Or are these religious things that he does at certain times, and then the rest of the time he's different? If we don't walk it and talk it personally and passionately, then our children aren't going to see a valid reason to pursue God. We can tell them till we're blue in the face. But at some point in time down the road, they will look at you and say, well, I, what, I, whatever, I really don't believe that. And when they do, are you ready to say, oh, well, you've obviously thought about this. Can we talk some more? Or are you going to go apoplectic and get all upset about it, or are you not going to worry about it? If you call yourself a follower of Christ... You're going to be concerned, and um, the, the time to really pave the path for them to grab onto God is early,
0: mm-hmm.
1: early and natural, as that scripture
0: says right. in Deuteronomy. Any quick closing thoughts?
1: It goes so quickly. Mm. If I could slow it down and do it again, I would go a little bit slower. I'd have more ice cream, more pillow fights, more fun along the way. I'd loosen up, and then I'd just enjoy the personalities a little bit more. Uh, God has given all of us a wonderful joy in parenting. We need to embrace that, and we need to uh, enjoy the journey, because he's a loving father, and i got to think he loves parenting us to uh, some degree.
0: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Again, my guest has been John Fuller, author of First Time Dad. I hope you've enjoyed the program. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more about Family Shield on our website and our archive page at www. Family FamilyShieldMinistries.com, dot com, www and uh, we hope that you will join us again next week.